You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome back to Cosplay Confidential. I'm your host, Kiki, and we are coming to you live from the Podcast Detroit studios in beautiful Royal Oak, Michigan, with our faithful producer, Will. How's it hanging? Hey, it's going pretty well. Yeah. And our co-host, Sean. Hello, hello. How's it going? Oh, you know, pretty great. Amid all of the strife and worry of the world, we are still here <laughs> recording, and it's pretty awesome. Um, so we have a fabulous guest on the show today who I had the privilege of meeting at C2E2 this year. Um, and she has so much wonderful work displayed on her Instagram page, um, that you can find and you can follow along while we're listening, while you're listening to the episode. Um, we please welcome Anne from Silken Stitches. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. good to be here. So, um, so Silk and Stitches, how did you come up with, with that name for your, for your Instagram page? Uh, so I came up with that, gosh, I think about three years ago. And it actually started out because I wanted to combine my sewing that I was wanted to display as well as the fact that I do aerial silks, which I don't post about too much anymore. Um, but so I was thinking about like silks and I was thinking about just like the, um, I'm a sucker for alliterations, of course. And, um, so I just kind of came up with, uh, combining silken and stitches. And so that's where that came from. <laughs> you know, sometimes the simplest is really the best solution. Uh, yeah. I was actually really amazed that it was available. So good for me. <laughs> nice. So, so aerial silks. So you said yes. you don't do that much anymore. Yeah. Um, it, there's a whole other story along with that. Um, I have uh, a pole fitness journey as well as a aerial silks journey. Um, but yeah, I've kind of gotten a little bit away from it because of a bunch of various reasons that we won't go into, but, um, I do really appreciate, um, aerial fitness and pole fitness. And so sometimes I talk a little bit about that on my account, um, especially trying to balance, you know, my work life of sewing and then also my fitness life of silks and pole. So that's, that's really fascinating. So, yeah. and then as far as, as far as the stitches go, how, how long have you been sewing? Mm -hmm. uh, I've been sewing for, I think about 12 years. Uh, I started when I was in, that, in my university when I started studying theater, that was one of the first classes that we started doing um, costuming and uh, sewing. And I just kind of took to sewing classes like a fish to water. And I picked it up really quickly and we did like all sorts of assignments and I just kind of fell in love with the process of it. And so then I've been uh, doing sewing for costumes in theater ever since then. So kind of like, so when you were first getting started out in university and whatnot, what would you say within that first like year or two years, what would you say were some of the biggest challenges when you were first starting off that you would consider yourself out to just be a natural, a pro? Um, a lot of the spatial relationships that have to happen for sewing made a lot of sense to me. Like for me, I'm a 
sucker for a good logic puzzle, a good um, like jigsaw puzzle. So all of like the shapes that wouldn't seem like they would go together or you have to inverse something in order to make it into another object, that was stuff that made a lot of sense to me right away. Uh, like one of the first projects that I did, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, was a tutu. <clears throat> And um, uh, when we're doing a tutu, there's just like miles and miles of tool that have to all be gathered into a little waistband. And um, so that was something that made a lot of sense. And I was able to do it very easily because I was able to kind of figure out what it looked like visually and make it into that. Well, that's something that we don't really touch on much here is this the spatial relationship of all the different pieces that you have to put mm-hmm. together. So yeah. that's fascinating. Um, what was the most challenging build that you did um, when you were in university? Um, I think, honestly, the thing that challenged me the most was when I was a senior, I kind of was dabbling possibly with the idea of costume designing as opposed to um, acting, which is one of the other things that I had tried to pursue at that point. And so there was a a semester where I took on two or three student shows that I was costume designing. And I actually discovered during that year that I did not like costume designing. (laughs) So that was a really big challenge to me because I didn't enjoy like coming up with that, the, the ideas on the fly. I think honestly, that's one of the other reasons why cosplay was so appealing to me because the design is already there for you. You could work on the technique, the construction of it, and putting all the pieces together like a puzzle uh, as opposed to designing. So I'd say that that was my most challenging um, thing. Wow. Yeah. And to take on that big a load in in one mm-hmm. go is really, that that can be overwhelming. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things that I didn't really care for in that was since I was, and they were smaller shows, so it wasn't really terrible, but I did wind up doing a lot of late nights by myself. Um, and I didn't have any other like friends or community to help me and like stitch with me and things like that. So it would just seem very isolating and it was rewarding. Uh, but one of the other things about the cosplay community that's so nice is that you do have a huge breadth of, of knowledge to draw from. You have a community, even if you're alone sitting in your room working on things at two o'clock in the morning, you know that there's, there's somebody up who can help you <laughs> in one encouraging way or another. Right. Yeah. Whether that's providing advice or just a, you can do it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is also something that is very important. So, so I'm sitting here and I'm going through your your Instagram, and I came across um, what might be my favorite costume that you've made is your April O'Neil. says you made it for your oh, sister. Really? <laughs> well, I'm oh, just confused because your post says that you made so many big, beginner mistakes, but, I mean, this looks flawless to me. So, like, what mistakes do you think you made on this costume, and how have you oh, kind of God. changed going forward since making that one? Oh, man. So I would not say that I'm, like, a – at the time that I made the April O'Neil, I was not a pattern drafter. I was not uh, very expert at any of these things. I was mostly just winging stuff. So I, put, I took a pants pattern and I took a shirt pattern and I put them together. I didn't quite realize how much uh, rise you needed, which is a sewing term, which is very important when you have a 
jumpsuit like that in order for the person who is wearing the jumpsuit to like fit or bend. So it was really uncomfortable anytime she would do literally anything other than stand there. <laughs> and at this moment, I'm just like mortified that I made her something that she couldn't actually, you know, bend or sit in. Um, so that was one of my really major beginner <laughs> mistakes with that because I definitely did not know what I was doing, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what would you recommend to someone who's making a jumpsuit to avoid those mistakes? I would say get a jumpsuit pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Don't it reinvent the wheel. Like it would be that big a deal. Like you would just put pants together and you'd put a shirt together and you'd combine them. It's no problem. But there's a reason that the pattern companies have put so much development into these things and uh, you know, reading is always good, and I don't tend to be a big reader. <laughs> I usually just do things. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. So I would suggest people, you know, follow their patterns, probably read the instructions. That's usually a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one people often will look at something and go, "Oh, I can I can figure that out." But that's a that's a really great example because yeah, it looks great in that picture where she's standing upright and not really mm-hmm. doing a whole lot, and it looks really cute. But thank you. Yeah. But then you say you say that and you go, oh, okay. that makes that makes a whole lot of sense of, of, you know, Mm -hmm. why it's important to have that kind of pattern. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So uh, like it's always good to have those mistakes to learn from them. But, you know, everyone has their own process. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So when did you start the transition from making costumes for other people into making costumes for yourself? Um, I believe one of my major first uh, cosplays and costumes for myself was really only about three or four years ago. Uh, When I saw Moana, I decided that I really, really wanted to do that costume. And so that was when I decided that I was actually going to cosplay and go to C2E2 as a person who cosplays. Uh, So it was not actually that long ago. So I personally tend to find myself thinking that I am still pretty relatively new to the cosplay community. Right. Because as far as the community goes, it's still new to you. But as far as the, the skill levels, like you're, you're right up there. I would think with, with some of the best of them, because you've been doing the actual craft for so long. Um, Yes, I would agree with that. And I thank you for that. Uh, I do have that advantage of the fact that I have been sewing for as long as I have. So that's always good too. Right. And so making, I mean, the Moana, you, I'm assuming it's the one from your, where you, where you had longer hair when you were doing it, right? Or was that a wig? No, actually that was a wig. <laughs> that is, I see it. I see it now. It looks really yeah. great. Thank you. And so the Moana that I saw you in this year at C2E2, would you say that's like a grown up yeah. Moana? Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, for me, that was kind of more like my casual Moana because I tend to be a person that doesn't really like the um, no straps um, situation. Oh, yeah. So I I just like made a couple of changes. Oh, and I also didn't want any raffia because it, you know, sheds and all of that. So I kind of just did a couple more adjustments so that I can easily transition the pieces that I've made into more of a casual wear situation. Yeah, no, it's so sure it, she can be grown up, you know, sure. a little bit more edgy with an undercut. <laughs> you know, what is what is being grown up if not choosing comfort over style? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Amen to that. 
Um, so in your current um in your current role as a as a sewer or a um a costumer right now, what mm-hmm. are you what what does that entail for you? Because I know you do you post frequently about um your theater costuming and it's gorgeous and you always talk you you always make sure to mention you know so and so's designs whoever's designed it and you know the experience of of putting that together um what all does that job entail um so i work as the title is a first hand in a costume shop and so i'm not the draper but i'm part of the team um and so what that means is that I'm luckily uh, employed by my theater pretty much year round to do all of the Broadway shows. And so I, my job tends to not ever be the designer, thankfully, <laughs> um, and not usually make the patterns, but usually make the pa- like cut the patterns and prepare them for the stitchers and sometimes stitch the, the costumes as well, depending on what the show is and how many, how many uh, looks we're going for at that show. Um, so it's, it tends to be an awful lot of construction, which I love personally. Uh, yeah. Occasionally it involves a little bit of patterning and drafting and draping. Um, but yeah, it's really nice to be part of like a small team that uh, produces all of these costumes for um, our Broadway shows. Yeah, that's so great that you were able to find something that's right in your specific niche of costuming. Of yes. <laughs> the putting things together part. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very, very grateful for that. Cutting yeah. things up and putting them back together. Is there... I know, right? It seems completely counterintuitive, but there we are. Yeah, exactly. Um, is there a favorite show recently within the past year or two that you've gotten to um, that you've gotten to work on from a not not a design standpoint? Since you said you don't do that, but mm-hmm. just overall, like a favorite show. Um, I liked a couple years ago, we worked on Sweeney Todd and those were really cool costumes. It was all very Gothic and Mm -hmm. very Victorian, but also in a very um, deconstructed type of way. And what was the shame about Sweeney Todd and the fact that our our theater is so large, which is beautiful. um, It's 1800 um, seats, but a lot of times the details are very lost on, um, on the audience that is in the house. So that's one of the other reasons why I really like being able to take close up pictures because then like my audience can at least see some of the details uh, that don't always make it on stage. Um, And I really, really enjoyed working on Mini Todd. The textures were really fantastic. And I thought that the shape and the silhouette was really beautiful. That's really cool. And that's, that's not one of the ones that pops up like, immediately on instagram so you have to go looking for it but it's that's true (laughs) it's totally worth it um yeah i think from there's a post in february about your your gothic from your from your victorian february day 20 gothic it's Mm -hmm. it's gorgeous and you can see the detail it's um so that that's got to be really rewarding Mm -hmm. absolutely I mean, I'm a sucker for detail. Anyone who scrolls through my Instagram page a little bit will realize that. (laughs) And so all of those little tedious things that people don't tend to know or appreciate or want to do, I just suck that stuff up. It's super fun for me. (laughs) That's awesome. So um, you, I noticed there's a post that you made about incorporating more of your historical costuming into your everyday wear. What's that been like? Yeah. 
Um, yes, I have been doing that. Um, I've been trying to do that at least, especially right. with the costume pieces that I have made or just like regular costumes, regular clothes that I've made. Uh, for example, I, we were working on Newsies uh, or last fall, and we made this really beautiful skirt pattern that uh, for, uh, what was it? I think it was 1899 was the time period. And it's a really flattering silhouette, and it goes down to the ankle, just a regular walking skirt. So I actually took that. I graded it up to my um, my measurements, and then I just kind of chopped it to go right below the knee. And so that is one of my next projects. I'm going to make something that is vaguely 1899, but also something that I can wear every day and not have it be like a big old statement piece in the fact that I'm dressing historically in my regular wear. (laughs) Just, you know, 1899 casual. Absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't everybody do that? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in some way, shape or form. (laughs) Uh, so we, uh, you talked about how Moana was your first, uh, cosplay and that you were really drawn to that character. Um, how much, uh, was there some reason why you hadn't done cosplay before that? Uh, yes, very much mostly because I couldn't find myself to be motivated to stay in my workspace to make something that I wouldn't get paid for (laughs) Um, because sewing is great, but I was used to many years of working in a costume shop where I would get a paycheck for the things that I would make and cosplay. I would have to invest a lot of time into something that I feel really passionately for because I knew I wasn't going to get paid for it, but in other ways, you know, going to the convention and seeing all of the people like that is payment in a different form. And I needed a character to really draw me into make that transition. And Milana was definitely it. No, that's totally understandable. Like, when you're already doing this as your day job, it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to find a way to do that as a hobby. Absolutely. So that's awesome. So um, one thing that um, jumps out if you look through your posts versus like a quote typical cosplayer, um, which mm-hmm. I mean, what is that nowadays? But um, yeah, really, <laughs> what is that nowadays? And I'm so uh, honestly, I'm really glad that the like sort of stereotypes of like skinny white chicks and skinny white dudes are like, or skinny white chicks and buff white dudes are getting broken right, down right. into a different like more and more people are getting more accepting of cosplay Absolutely. of different types in cosplay um, were there any challenges to you as a minority going into cosplay or did you even consider that at all i considered it but and i do feel like there are challenges but i know that most of them are in my head because the world of cosplay has grown so much and has become so accepting and everyone enjoys being able to see the diversity that has turned this costume world into what it is. I know that a lot of times in my brain, I am just like, well, maybe I shouldn't cosplay these people. Maybe I um, shouldn't do these particular characters because they're too tall or, you know, things of that nature. Um, And I, 
am trying to break those down myself. Um, and I know that they exist and I acknowledge that I have to, you know, push past some of those barriers and not necessarily just be attracted to certain types of characters because of whichever reasons. I've been lucky enough that even though I have been kind of new to the cosplay community, all of the characters that I've cosplayed have been powerful women of color, which I did on purpose uh, because I really enjoy seeing the representation there is in media and entertainment nowadays for their, for the people of color. And um, that is something that I, do think about pretty frequently, but I know that, you know, any type of challenges that would be external are not ones that I should pay attention to. And I just have to, if there is suddenly a character that is not my uh, body type or ethnicity or anything like that, I definitely shouldn't let that stop me if I absolutely have my heart set on cosplaying somebody. And I'm sure that that's probably going to happen in the near future. I couldn't say what, but I'm sure it'll happen. (laughs) That's really refreshing that uh, to hear that mentality, uh, that maturity uh, mm-hmm. at which you come, at, I, uh, at which you arrive at that. I phrased that mm-hmm. really poorly. It's really refreshing, to, <laughs> refreshing to hear how maturely you handle that because it's mm-hmm. very Thank easy you. for to get swept up in. Um, oh well, s- the society or the comments section or you know, the internet says that I can't cosplay this because of how I look or what I identify as or what have you. Mm-hmm. And it's really refreshing to hear someone just say, you know, that to hear to hear someone say that the struggle is really just within you. It's not really about mm-hmm. everybody else. So um, we need to start wrapping up. But is there any one piece of advice that you would give to a beginning cosplayer? I would say just start. And I know that that seems like a cop-out, and it kind of is. (laughs) But whatever reservations there are, if it's whatever your sewing capabilities are, um, if it's um, a financial or a just insecurity feeling, it's always better to just do a thing if it's going to the thrift store and finding pieces that you can use and cut up or modify um if it's going on the youtubes and looking at how somebody else did something and get inspired by them it's there's just so much knowledge and inspiration out there and i think that the best thing to do is just kind of start doing stuff and making mistakes and that's how you're going to learn. No, totally. It, it's mistakes are scary. And mm-hmm. uh, who among us in this room has started has has looked at a wig and gone, "Nah, I can't, I can't do that. I'll make too many mistakes." Oh, and their hands very go real. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, speaking of which, God, I never even mentioned that. But um, mm-hmm. very briefly, do you mm-hmm. what kind do you? do work with wigs what's do you try and shy away from wigs what's that experience been like I for do you shy away from wigs actually <laughs> um i don't do wigs very often uh but i kind of have to sometimes it, since my hair is so short uh i again have looked up a lot of youtube videos i've gotten really frustrated with things i've also just straight out straight out commissioned friends who do do wigs and ask them for help 
or sometimes I ask for people's advice on Instagram or um, Facebook. Uh, so yeah, I do do a little bit of wigs, but I, I try not to do too many because, you know, I don't have the most uh, infinite amount of storage. And I feel like wigs sometimes just intimidate me for storage and um, all sorts of other purposes. <laughs> right. And then sometimes you stumble across the perfect character like Bo, where it'll exactly. just works beautifully. Exactly. <laughs> that was definitely on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the next person from Critical Role you got in cosplay as? I've seen you do oh at least gosh, two. Oh my gosh, what a difficult question. <laughs> um, on my list, if I were to say right now, I would love to do a vest. Um, and I think runner-up would be Anila because I really love her character as well. <laughs> Nice. I was hoping you would say Clay. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That would be an interesting one. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, as much as I love Critical Role, I don't know if I'm committed enough to do body paint <laughs> and, like, full makeup for, for that. I commend anyone who does that. <laughs> Girl, same. I... <laughs> I cannot, I I can't think of doing full body paint ever in my life. <laughs> but God, that's uh, that. You know, seeing cosplays is really what starts getting me into things that I wouldn't normally be into, or things that I, you know, would hesitate listening to or watching. And I think the amount mm-hmm. of critical rule cosplays that I've seen has convinced, including yours, has convinced me. Okay, maybe I need to actually like. Do you listen to it? Do you watch it? What is it? Is th- Either or. Oh, oh, either. I, mean, I could give you oh, my, my elevator pitch if you want me to. Okay, what's what's your elevator pitch for uh, Critical my Role? My elevator pitch for trying out Critical Role okay. is, I would say, personally, I would start with Campaign 2. It's a completely new storyline, so you don't have to worry about Campaign 1. Um, the production value is very, very good. I would say start on YouTube so that you understand what you're looking at, what you're listening to, so you can match who the actors are and who um, their characters are. And once you get familiar with that, if you want to, you can switch to the podcast version if you need to do something with your hands. Like, personally, I was working on my Isabella cosplay when I started listening to Critical Role, and being able to have a narrative story, a high fantasy narrative story told very well, um, like a podcast, worked really well for me sewing and not needing to like look up constantly and have visual cues for things. So it's an awful lot of content, but try not to get intimidated because it goes by much faster than you expect it to. Nice. Right. It's super good. I spent all last year listening to campaign one and then I'm like episode 50 something of campaign two since beginning of this year. So okay. Awesome. All right. All right. Uh, You've got me convinced. I've got some time on my hands. I've got with episode one. Plus, plus you play D and D already. It's not for everybody. That's true. I do play D and D, so I would probably enjoy it. You're also you you already know the game mechanics, so you're getting a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff right away. Cool. All right. And I actually came in from the other direction because I didn't play D and D at all uh, as I started listening to it, and I kind of learned how to play D and D through it. (laughs) Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot about uh, fifth edition from watching uh, Fantasy High on College Humor. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm I play three five, so 
uh, currently. I have not played a fifth edition yet. So maybe one day, (laughs) one day I'll join the real world. (laughs) But um, one last question, and you've had a little bit of time to hopefully have it at the back of your brain right now. But um, if you could combine any two characters that you've cosplayed to make one cosplay, what would you do? I am going to cheat a little bit and say I would like to do a Moana, but in a D&D world. Like yes. world. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I would have to mull it over and figure out exactly what, you know, race and class she would do. But I feel like that would be a really cool costume to see what kind of Moana would be in a D&D world. I feel like she'd have to be some kind of druid, but also Ooh, like, some, yeah, like cross-classed totally. with something else. Oh, I don't Druid, maybe because yeah. she's got such a deep connection to nature and the ocean mm-hmm. and everything, but like some like cross classed with something else, man. Ranger or rogue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a like a mm. ranger druid or something. I'm sure some there's some specific class from a subgroup of books that has a like a Moana <laughs> class. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think of like uh, if there are like gods in the ocean, and maybe she'd be like a paladin. Oh, dude, yeah, Ooh, yeah. There's definitely yeah. so many. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, that's like perfect right there. Hmm. Future planning. <laughs> I mean, really though, there is so within the paladin class, there is a nature-based one that you could. The, oh. They're called like the Green Knights. I, I do a paladin of the Cat Lord, and that's the, what I play. I'm kind of a hippie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a nature-based that's paladin. Perfect. Worships the cat lord. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> nice. Um, so, well, it's been so much fun chatting with you, and hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, if, Thank you so much for having me here. Of course. Thank you for being here. Um, mm-hmm. o- over the phone waves. That's how mm-hmm. that works, right? Um, is uh, Where can we find you on the internet? So on the internet, I'm mostly only on <laughs> on Instagram um, as, as Silken Stitches. Uh, that is S I L K E N Stitches. S T I T C H E S. I think I spelled that right. You did. You have to double check me. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, and I do have a Facebook page, but I'm not really sure how Facebook works. So mostly <laughs> just find me on Instagram. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Cool. And uh, Will, where can we find you? You can find me at Will Loves Pizza on Instagram. And how about Sean? You can <clears throat> excuse me. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Magnitude Cosplay. That's all one word, no caps, no spaces, just like my Wi-Fi password. You can also find me on Twitter at Magnitude Cause without the word play, just at Magnitude Cause. Because you're all cause and no play. Thank you so much, Kiki. Thank you. <laughs> you're so I welcome. I never would have. God, it's just peak <laughs> comedy. And where can you find you, Kiki? That's me. I'm peak <laughs> comedy. Um, complete with laughing at my own joke. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Real Kiki Elise or Facebook Kiki Elise Cosplay. Uh, you cannot find me in the devil's hellscape known as Twitter. Um, 
But you can find Cosplay Confidential on Instagram at Cosplay Confidential, Facebook Cosplay Confidential Podcast. And you can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere fine podcasts are heard. Will looks like he wants to say something. I think we should do a Twitter poll and see if people should – that you should change your name to at Peak Comedy. <laughs> if I change my name to at Peak Comedy, I don't need people coming up to me at conventions and going, excuse me, are you Peak? I don't need that. I already have people coming up and asking me if I'm real because that's the first part of my Instagram name. <laughs> so, people are so clever. They're so they're so clever. Uh, but uh, thank you for joining us once again. Um, oh, if you are listening and you would like to uh, suggest a guest that we have on the show, whether that's you or a friend, please send that our way at the guest request form that's in our bio on Instagram, in in our link tree in our bio on Instagram. And uh, if you feel like supporting the show and helping keep the lights on then, and getting a shout out on the show, then... Um, Buy us a Kofi on our Kofi page, which is also featured in our link tree on our Instagram bio. So once again, from Cosplay Confidential, I'm Kiki. I'm Will. I'm Sean. And you are? And thank you so much. <laughs> uh, keep creating, inspiring, and sharing the love.